I need to give you a little bit of a, of a disclaimer. You may be wondering what kind of a church this is. I'm still wondering what kind of a church this is. We're still figuring this out, right? Because many of us, when we came together a year ago, we said we don't want to do church as normal. We don't want to do church in just the usual way. We don't want to be different for different sake, but we know that, that there's a, we're all really busy, and, and if we're going to do something, we want it just to be the real thing. That's not a knock against any other churches, but we've all been there, right, where we play church and we pretend church. None of us wanted to do that, and I didn't want to do that. I've been in ministry. Next year is going to be my, my 20th year in ministry, and I like to think I've learned a few things along the way. When it comes to preaching, though, I'm, I feel like I've almost digressed. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. I, I don't post on social media a lot, but I posted something earlier in the week on, on Facebook, and it was about preaching. And I quoted, I quoted something from a, 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 a textbook that I had read years ago about church planting. And the quote, I don't have it in front of me, but it said something like this. It said, when you're preaching, you need to make sure that you engage the audience. So begin with some kind of clever opening story or a joke, or a quote from a celebrity, or a, a sports star, just to get people's attention. And make sure that you, every once in a while, you do something like that just to keep people engaged. And I read that, and I just felt like my heart sink, because I felt, I don't ever do that. Right? And if you've been here before, you know, I don't really have any good opening stories. I don't have quotes from sports stars, or celebrities, or anything else. I don't, I don't know. And I, I was kind of, you know, I was taught that kind of back in the day when I started this, and I've, we've all, you know, we're learning and growing, but I just felt like, dear God, no, please do not let us be a church where we have to just sugarcoat everything with pop culture just to get, you know, you to listen to it. I believe that you are better than that, and I believe that the word itself is relevant, that we don't need to kind of wrap it up in something else just to get you to, to receive it. I, I think high enough of you just to give you the word and give you everything that I've been dwelling in and, and, and the place where I've been with the Lord and just if it, I'll take it. If you want it, take it. If you don't, it's okay. Right? So I was, all that to say is that I, I'm kind of, I've been thinking about this, this day, this weekend for a long time, asking the Lord, what, Lord, what do I preach on? What do I say? What do we do? Because, you know, it's an exciting day. It's a one-year anniversary of our church and, you know, and I, I, I found myself at the start of the week getting a little nervous because I didn't have anything. I mean, I have something, but I didn't have something. You know what I mean by that? Like I could always pull something out of my hip pocket and make it work, but y'all would y'all could tell that it was like artificial, right? Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> exactly right. Because like, if you feel bad, think how I feel if I'm up here striking out. So I was, Lord, what do you want? And He kind of gave a few things, you know, ideas in my mind, but nothing really. And I found myself coming into Wednesday and Thursday with nothing. I began to panic. And then the song that we ended with, Build My Life, began to come into my mind. I don't know why. I just began to sing it. I was like, oh, I love this song. And, you know, we haven't done it in a while. And I found it on my, my, my phone, on Amazon Music, and I would put it in and listen to it on repeat five or six times, you know, just asking the Lord, Lord, help me. And the Lord said a couple of things to me. He said, look, Brad, quit seeking my hand right now. Seek my heart. And what he means is quit coming to me just because you need a sermon for Sunday. I'm not somebody here just to dole out everything you need to do a job. I'm your father. I'm your God. I'm here to be with you in relationship. And that's hard for me to receive because the clock is ticking, tick, 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 and running out of time. What do I do? But I did. I sort of just posture myself and say, okay, Lord, help me. Help me to hear what you're saying. So Friday comes. Nothing. I'm like, okay, Megan, 
I'm going for a hike. I gotta get away from this. There's a whole lot of stuff going on. I gotta get away and just clear my head. So I go down and we, there's a little pass down there by the Kentucky River where we live and I go on a hike and I have my phone. I'm listening to, to build my life again and again and again and just all, you know, a number of other worship songs. And I begin to write some things out that I hear from the Lord, you know. And one, one of the things the Lord began to talk to me about was drought because as I'm walking on this path, obviously we've been in a drought. It's, unescapable. We live on a five-acre farm. It's dead. Things that we planted, trees that we planted, blueberry bushes that we planted are dead. We have goats in the back. The goats have cleaned out their pasture. There's nothing left for them to eat. It looks like a barren wasteland. We're letting them into the other parts of our yard on the other side of the fence just to have something to eat. I would go down and I was actually trying to dig something the other day and it was like hard packed soil, no moisture in sight. And as I'm going on this hike, I'm seeing the same thing. I'm seeing wilted, you know, wilted kind of wildflowers here on the path and just dry everything. And I just feel like the Lord is saying, let's, let's, let's talk about drought. I began to write down some things. And the Lord began to sort of minister to me and talk to me about spiritual drought and some of the things that I've been, some of the things that I've been feeling personally and some of the things that many of our church family has been feeling personally, that sense of dryness, that season of just fatigue and thirst, emotional and spiritual thirst, wanting more, tired, worn out, just dry, drought. Anybody been there? You know what I'm talking about? You know, maybe you're there now. I don't know. And I began to think, I, I, I began to think, I said, I wonder how long has it been since we've had rain? It was on Friday, and I texted Meg. I said, Meg, I'm curious. We're in a drought. Now, how long has it been since we've had any rain? And she looked it up, and she said, the last rainfall we had was 38 days ago, last significant rainfall. And I quickly did the math in my head, and I said, okay, well, 38 days on a Friday, that means on Sunday, that's going to be 40 days of drought. And... Maybe you know the significance of 40 days in God's word. It's all over the place. When, when, when Moses or when Noah goes into the ark, it rains for 40 days. The children of Israel, when they were wandering around in the desert, they were wandering not 40 days, but 40 years, right? When Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to spend time with the Lord, he's there for 40 days. Elijah, when he, he, he's, he's up on the mountain with God on Mount Horeb, he's 40 days there. Even Jesus, when Jesus, after he's baptized, before he begins his ministry, he goes into, he goes into this desert place for a 40-day time of fasting. So 40 days is, is hugely symbolic in the word, hugely symbolic, and it sort of very much represents this desert time, right? This desert time. And some of you have fasted. I don't know if any of you fasted 40 days. It's not, you know, I know some people that have done that. That's, that's a pretty heavy thing to do. But I begin to think about, Lord, what are you doing? And the Lord told me he would send rain today. On Friday, he told me this. And yeah, it probably was in the forecast. But the Lord said, I'm going to send refreshing to my people. The Lord said, I've withheld, my, I've withheld rain to cause my people to thirst again. So I'm not saying that God caused the drought. Don't hear me. This is sort of, I'm talking spiritually. God has withheld things to cause us to thirst after him. You with me on this? So this morning, I just, I want to point you to the heart of God and I want, to, I want, to, I want you to 
Take away one simple idea, and then I want to give you three scriptures, and that's it, okay? Here's a simple idea. Let the drought drive your roots deeper. Let the drought drive your roots deeper. And there's several things that are going to happen during a drought. If the plant is not deep enough, if the roots are not deep enough, the topsoil is the first to dry out. And during a serious drought, many of those plants die, right? Many of those ones just cannot survive it. But some of the plants, some of the ones that are more established and more rooted, whenever there is an absence of water, what do they do? They force their roots farther and farther and farther down into the soil in search of water. And here's the cool thing about it. The cool thing about when roots go farther down, they tend to stay there. Even when the rains return, they don't retract. They tend to be more rooted. They tend to be stronger plants. They tend to be healthier plants. And I never thought of drought being good for something, but it is, right? Droughts force our roots to go deeper down into the soil. And I just, I sense it in this, in this season of whatever God is doing, the Lord is saying, let your roots, let the drought drive your roots deeper. So can I give you three, three parts from scripture that sort of talk about this idea and it may not make sense to you. I told you, look, I, 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 this is kind of what I got today. But if we can look at these three, and then I want to give you just some basic takeaways. The first is on Isaiah 43. If you can flip there with me. We've got it on the screen behind us. Isaiah 43. Isaiah is a prophet back in the, the 8th century, 7th and 8th century BC. He's writing to a people who in the years to come are going to be in deep, deep trouble. He's writing to his fellow countrymen, to the nation of Israel, and he's saying the time is going to come when your world is going to collapse, when because of the choices that you've made, God is going to allow you be, to be taken captive by another nation. He's going to allow your homeland to be destroyed, the temple to be burned down, the walls to be destroyed, and your sons and your daughters taken away to a foreign land. Isaiah is prophesying this. He says, because of the choices that you're making to dishonor God, the time is coming, he's going to bring judgment, and you're going to be in judgment for 70 years. He writes this prophetically about the time to come, and sure enough, history proves that's exactly what happens. Babylon comes in and, takes, and destroys the temple and takes God's people into captivity, but before this, Isaiah also makes this promise. He says the time is also going to come when God is going to restore something. He's going to do something good. God's going to judge, but he's also going to restore. And this is what he says in Isaiah 40, 43, beginning in verse 16. I want you to just think about this, and especially those of us that have been in a dry place. I want you to hear what the heart of God is. Verse, uh, let's go to verse, what is that up there? Put my glasses on. It is 16. Okay. Six. This is what the Lord, this is Isaiah writing. This is what the Lord says. He who made a path through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. God says this, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Y'all say new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And God's people have sort of latched onto that promise so, so many times, again and again, all through history, the promise that God is going to do something new and something good, that God is not going to leave us in drought forever, right? 
He's not going to leave us dry forever and ever. God is going to do something new. He's done something new in me. He's done something new in you. He's doing something new in this place and in this church. So I just want to encourage you, first of all, in this, that God, is, God, is, God has renewal for you, waiting for you. Wherever you've been, whatever season you've been in, it's not going to stay there. God is going to call you into something new. God is going to call you into a season of refreshing. So believe me in that. Hold that, all right? Let's jump over to Ezekiel chapter 37. Here's another one. Ezekiel was, was another prophet, right? And Ezekiel was a little bit after Isaiah's time. Ezekiel sort of is during this whole, uh, this whole captivity uh, uh, judgment period. But he's got the same thing in his heart. He's got the same idea. He's got the same heart of the Father that, that knows the judgment's going to come, but so is restoration. Show us hope. The drought is here, but rain is going to come. And you know this story. This is, the, this is a famous story, the, the, the Valley of the Dry Bones, you know? It's like the old spiritual. I was, in, I was in choir in high school, and I remember singing Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones, you know? Dim bones, dim bones, dim dry bones, right? You guys ever sung that spiritual? This is a class, this is, an, this is one of the best stories of the faith. It's this vision that God gives to Ezekiel the prophet about what the heart of God is. And I want us to look at it together. I want us to look at it through fresh eyes. So let's just jump in and look at it and think about what this is. Verse, verse one, the hand of the Lord was upon me, says Ezekiel, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Don't move past this yet. Think about this. Get a, get, get a vision in your mind of what this is, about being brought by the Spirit of the Lord and looking out and seeing just absolute death. Not just death, but just dry, lifeless death. I was walking out of my goat pasture the other day, and I saw something out of the corner of my eye. Don't worry, it wasn't a goat carcass. I'm not going to weird you out. It was a carcass, but it was a carcass of a bird. I think it was one of those, like, weird buzzard birds, you know, like the ones that are kind of like black wings. And this was a big thing. And all I could see was, like, the remnant of its carcass there. And it's got some feathers on it, but it's mostly just bones, I'm saying this thing had more life than what, what Ezekiel is saying. This thing still had feathers on it. What Ezekiel is saying is nothing but dusty bones, calcified remains. No flesh in sight at all. And what does this represent? This is just, this is hopelessness. These are things that have just died and have no life in them. And this is what God says. He says, son of man, can these bones live? Don't you love it when God asks you kind of those questions? It's like a trick question, you know. Ezekiel, what do you, what do you think? These, 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 just need, these just need a little Band-Aid, right? They need a little bit of something to drink. They need some like, you know, vitamins and minerals and it'll come together again. These, these, can these live? Can these come alive again? And Ezekiel says the right answer. Anytime God asks you a question, you put it back on God. God, you know the answer to that. He says, oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. What things have died in your life? Anybody just have a dream, a God-given dream that has died in your life? Anybody have just some hopes for the future that have just flat out died in your life? 
Anybody have promises that God made some time back and you've yet to see those materialize and you're looking at it and you're saying, there's nothing left. That promise is gone. That's dead, dry bones. Anybody have relationships that you think are hopeless and beyond repair? Anybody have those? Anybody have life situations in general? Anything at all? Loved ones that you think, man, that is just, that's a hopeless situation. And God says, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover your skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. What do you do when God says to breathe life onto something that's dead? What do, what do, you, what do you do? What do I do? When God calls your attention to a dream that's died and said, I want you to resurrect that dream. I want you to speak it out. How many of you would just say, sorry, God, that's dead. I've tried that. And anybody, that's, that's, I can't do that anymore. And Ezekiel is faced with the same situation. Like, okay, I know what I see. I know what God has said. What do I do? What do I do when what God has said clearly contradicts what I see in front of me? Do I go with what I see in the natural or do I go with what I hear in the spiritual? And he says, okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to trust God. So he does it. He says, so I prophesied as I commanded, as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and the skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. So this is like partway done, you know? Right? It's like it's there, but it's not alive. It's coming together, but it's not alive. We can put some of our things back together in our life that are broken, but it's not fully alive. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood on their feet, a vast army. God's doing a new thing. God is raising up things that once were dead. And he's breathing life into things. Is it possible that the same God who is moving in this way might want to move this way in your life? I believe that's the case. I don't think God changes. I don't think his heart is different for, for Ezekiel than it is for me. I don't think it's different for me than it is for you, right? God has the same heart for all of us. He wants to breathe life into these things for you and I. One more thing. Let's jump over to John. John chapter 7, this is Jesus. And Jesus has been doing what Jesus does best. He's been teaching. He's been healing. He's been ministering to people. He's been challenging their assumptions about who God is and what the kingdom is. He's been crossing lines and, and, and reaching out to the, to the untouchables. But he says this in John 7. Let's go to... Let's go to verse 37. It says, On the last and greatest day of the feast, he's there for a Jewish festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow within him. And I don't think Jesus is just talking about giving H2O to people. I'm talking about something deeper, right? 
Thirsty in our hearts, thirsty in our souls, thirsty in our minds, thirsty in our spirits. All of that is just hungry and thirsty for what God is doing. And Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, come to me. Come to me because I'm the source of that. Anyone need a new thing besides me? Let me give you just kind of four, four things I want to challenge you with. Do we have time for this? We do. All right, this is going to be quick. Number one, believe in God's promises again. Can I challenge you to believe in God's promises again? Start to hope and dream. Ask this question. Ask this question. What would it look like if God really began to move in my life? What would it look like if God began to breathe life into the bones? Can you get a vision for that? Can you begin to see that? Can you begin to like get some hopes and dreams again? Maybe not right here in this service. I just want to challenge you, though, moving forward. Begin to believe. I think God is asking the same thing. Can, 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 can these hopes, friend, be raised up? Can these bones be made to come to life? Believe in God's promises. Here's another one. Belong to God's family. I think this is so important. I'm not talking about coming to church. I'm not talking necessarily about like coming to this church, but belonging to God's family is, it's absolutely essential. Because it's here that we challenge one another. It's here that we support one another. It's here that I become a better, better version of what God wants me to be because of you and you and you and you. You're meant to be in relationship. As he, uh, Ephesians 2 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. We once were on the outside, guys. We were. We were outside, and God brings us into a family. This is the, I, I almost, one of the things I almost wanted to talk about earlier, you know, a week ago, was like, I want to preach on family. I want to preach about how awesome it is to be brought in the family and what that means. And it means that, you know, we've got all kinds of new things. God's doing a new thing. You know what a family brings you? It brings you a new name. It brings you a new destiny. It brings you new relationships. All these are beautiful things that God, that God gives to us when we step into relationship with one another and his family. And some of us need that, you know? Some of us have great families. I've got a great family. Some of us don't. Some of, us, some of us are estranged from our moms and dads or brothers and sisters. But no matter where you are, God says, I have a family for you that goes deeper than blood. And that's where you belong. Believe in God's promises, belong to God's family. Let me, let me, let me say this also. Be in a ready position for the Lord's moving. Be in a ready position for the Lord's moving. Matthew 24 Matthew 24, beginning in verse 36, Jesus says, No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. I'm not sure what your church background is, but we believe in the second coming of Jesus. We believe that he is going to return bodily form as he promised. As he left, he's going to come back. And we believe that that day is coming closer and closer. The word is clear about that. The Bible says that as, as it was in the day, you know what it was like in the days of Noah, you know, people were busy about their own thing. They were doing their own thing. They were making money and, and building lives for themselves and, and having relationships and having fun. And the whole time Noah's over here getting ready. Noah is focused. Noah is zero focused on preparing for the day to come when the flood comes. And we need to have that same kind of a mindset. That's what Jesus says. 
For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up till the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Go to verse 42. Therefore, keep watch because you do not know what hour, do you not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. Verse 44, so you also must be ready. We need to be in ready positions. We need to be in positions uh, just of, of, of waiting and expectancy and being where God wants us to be. When he begins to pour out his spirit in the days to come, that's where we want to be. Finally, begin to cry out. That's the last one. Begin to cry out. Jeremiah 29 says this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. This is, a, this is maybe you heard this before. This is a beautiful promise of God. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Do you believe, anybody believe that God does not want to harm us? I'm not gonna, okay, let me, let me flip that around. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands. How many of you struggle with believing that? Maybe we've kind of been taught that, is that God, if we're bad, God's going to judge us and do bad things to us right now. That if we just try harder, God will bless us. That's twisted. That's not the heart of the Father. He says, I have plans to prosper you. God has plans to prosper you. God doesn't have plans to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Anybody want a hope and a future? I do. I want a hope. I want a future. I want that for my kids. And I can't, the, 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 the kind of future that I want for them is outside of my control. I can't do that. I, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not powerful enough to guarantee that the future that my kids have is one that's blessed and the one is, that is good for them. I want that, but it's outside of my control. But God says, I've got the plans to give you a hope and a future. And he's got the power to make that happen. He says, Verse 12, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Begin to cry out, in other words. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And I will be found by you and bring you back from captivity. Begin to cry out. So I... It's beautiful this morning when I, I woke up and I went to bed like just kind of stressed. It was a long day yesterday and I wasn't 100% sure about some things and I just went to bed tired and I woke up to the sound of rain. My first thought was frustration. Like, really? It's got to rain today. We've got all this stuff outside. Ah, da, 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 da. And the Lord said, didn't I tell you that I would bring rain? Didn't I tell you that rain would come today on the 40th day? And we're out here setting up outside and somebody snaps a photo. I wish I could show it to you. Snaps a photo of the church and the parking lot and all that stuff and it's this big rainbow right across the whole sky. It's amazing. Double rainbow. I'm not going to make too much of this. Brian, come on up. I just want to encourage you. I know this is like the most unorthodox sermon. I don't have any... I'm not going to apologize for it. I just want you to hear the heart of God. Let the drought drive your roots deeper. If you're in a place of spiritual dryness, emotional dryness, relational dryness, it's not going to last forever. 
God's not going to leave you there forever. I think there's some things that we can do as we prepare, as we wait on the Lord to bring some rain in our lives and in our hearts. We can believe in his promises again. We can remind ourselves that God hasn't changed, that all of his promises are yes and amen, that God has not forgotten what he told you and I that he would do. Begin and believe in those again. Look at the bones and say, I don't care how dead you are. God can raise up life out of death. There didn't even need to be bones on the ground. There could be dust, and the Spirit of God could bring life to those. The wind could have blown the dust away, and the Spirit of God could gather all of those particles of dust and form them into life again. I don't care how desperate your situation is, God is still God. He's still powerful. He's still strong enough. He still moves mountains. And his heart for you still is good. Begin to believe in that. Belong to God's family. Be in relationship. Find a church home. We'd love for this to be your church home. If it's not for you, it's okay. We love you anyway. Find somewhere to belong. Somebody that will love you and challenge you, support you and lift you up. A family like that. Be in a ready position for the Lord's moving. Begin to listen to the Lord. Train yourself. Discipline yourself. Turn off the TV. Turn off Netflix. Begin to listen for the Lord's voice again in your life. If it's dry, if it's drought, begin to, begin to sort of nurture your heart's ability to hear what he's saying. Begin to cry out. Seek him. Call on his name. All right? Hey, let's stand together. I want to pray for us. We're going to do some ministry time here at the end. This is kind of what we do every service. We have a chance just to pray over one another. Um, Megan and Chuck, if, if several of you, you know, if you've got a t-shirt on and you want to come and just do some prayer ministry, we can be available up here as well. Um, we're going to, this is how we close. Brian's going to, we're going to sing another, for a few more minutes of worship. You're free to stand. You're free to sit. Um, if, you, if you need to go now, not going to stop you, but we're not quite done yet. We've got a few more minutes of just some prayer ministry time and some soaking in the Lord. If we can pray for you about anything specific, we'd love to do that here at the front. If you've got any kind of a special need, or if you've got any kind of healing, we'd love to pray for healing and see God touch those, do those. If you've got any questions about the faith and kind of your relationship with the Lord and you're struggling with something, we'd love to talk to you about those as well. That's what we're here for. If you just want to come and be left alone and pray at the front, you know, if you're like kind of around this area, we won't bother you. This is a no-bother zone. Over here, we'll bother you and we'll pray with you and we'll lay hands on your shoulders. That's okay. All right, so let me pray over us and we're gonna move into some ministry time. So Father, we bless your name today. We thank you for the rain that you send on the earth. Lord, we don't always know why you allow drought to come into our lives. Seasons of difficulty, seasons of fatigue, seasons of apathy, just dryness. Honestly, Lord, sometimes that may be of our own making. We admit it. But Lord, we just want to position ourselves before you and say, Holy Spirit, send the rain. Send the rain in our hearts again. We're going to call on your name here, Lord, believing that you're going to answer. 
Let me just share a few words of knowledge that someone on part of our prayer ministry partners have shared. 